0: I love getting up in the mountains Um, and, you know, it's, it's awesome to watch the sunrise and, and uh, it almost always makes it worth it. And, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of a big part of it. I was thinking the other day and in the morning and even just out running on the trails here, you know um, or whatever, it's just, it is, it is something I wouldn't trade, you know, for about anything, really just getting up in the morning and starting the day off with, getting outside and doing something.
1: All right, what up team? Stuart Anderson here. Just a short introduction before we hear from Joel Zanger and Scotty Miles on this newest podcast. Thankful for them. Thankful for Joel for sharing his story, his advice, and why he loves the outdoors, both skiing and biking. Literally, Joel is in the mountains in Mill Creek every single day of the year. Uh, The mayor of Mill Creek, I like to joke around with him that that is what he is called because if you are up there in the morning, you are going to see him. So thankful for Joel. Uh, Joel was one of the original people that helped me get into cycling. I saw his passion for it and love for it uh, 15 years ago. And uh, he and Mun Powell were kind of the originators of why I got into cycling as I watched them. Love it and love Mill Creek Canyon so much. So I'm thankful for Joel. Thankful for his son, Thomas. Uh, he wrote the introduction and uh, just a, a great family. The Zangers are, are awesome, and I'm just thankful for Joel and the time he spent here. Uh, a couple brief announcements. We're, we're going to be opening the Team Kits store for 2024. This is our regular black and white kits that are going to be available for all of next year. The 40th, annual, uh, 40th anniversary kit is, is closed. We will open it again sometime in the summer, but those are being processed and created right now by Volley. So uh, watch for that. Um, we're also going to be having uh, team camp in April. All of that information is on Midwele.com. Uh That's where we keep every detail about camp, what, what we're supposed to be wearing and uh, where we're going to be riding dinners. And we're going to be adding a really new fun awards program. Uh, we're going to be handing out some people's choice awards to the team uh, at camp. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, Grateful for all the guys planning Zwift. If you are interested in being a Zwift leader, uh, let me know or let Clark Davis know. So a lot of fun going on with our Zwift calendar. And uh, one final announcement, we wear our yellow kits uh, in Zwift. These are custom team kits provided by Zwift that we added a couple seasons ago. And if you would like to have one added to your garage, uh, we would love to have you wear one with us. Uh, so you can do a few things. There's a, a couple steps. One, make a donation to ALS.com in honor of Creighton Ryder. This is Matt Ryder's dad, who uh, passed away a, a year or so ago from ALS, and was a huge inspiration to our team and to cycling community in general. Uh, grateful for Creighton and Matt, and we honor him by making that donation. And then you will provide me with uh, your email address for logging on to Zwift as well as your Zwift ID number. You can Google that. Uh, how do I get my Zwift ID number? And then those three things I'll present to our contact at Zwift who then loads the kit into your garage. Alrighty. Grateful for each of you. Thankful for all of our team sponsors, especially those that come from the team and the members of the team who support us. And make it possible for this team to do so much. So grateful for each of you, and uh, thanks for listening. All right, bye. All right, what up? Welcome everybody, Joel. Welcome Joel and Milo. Milo the dog is with us.
0: Glad to be here.
1: Scotty, how are you? Good.
0: Good Joel,
1: uh, uh, Joel. Obviously, you never join us on Zwift, but me and Scotty enjoyed at least <laughs> a few laps this morning, right?
2: Yeah. I'm just trying to decide either. I'm getting older. or Those are getting harder because that's, that's <laughs> a serious butt kicking. I, I don't know. That's brutal stuff.
1: I know Dave Britton texted me after and was like, this is not fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not fun. We, we've so, got
2: a contingent of these young, young dudes who can just hammer. It's crazy. I agree.
1: Joel, what'd you do this
2: I, morning? I, I
0: bought a, you know, actually it's nothing. I, I bought a Zwift, uh, two years ago. Yeah. Start, right. And part of the team, the team by, uh-huh. and I have not used it once. Uh, is it just boxed
1: Thomas, up or did you at least get it out? So
0: I got it out. I spun it on it once. Thomas, I think <laughs> has used it for one ride or something, but no, today, actually, I uh, actually took a rare day off. So huh. I didn't do anything this morning. So thanks for rubbing it in and making me feel guilty.
1: Yeah. Should we kick your podcast off by, putting your kicker up for sale. Do we want to <laughs> <Yeah>. solicit? <a laughs> almost <I> nearly <laughs>
0: should. I don't know. One of these days I'll get around to using it. I do, you know, I usually come into the spring a little behind everybody fitness wise, no but that's all right.
1: Um, we were just talking about work. It is, what is today? November 30th. So December tomorrow, but man, uh, me and Scotty are both busy. Joel, what are you working on right now at work? Yeah. I guess we'll talk about your. What do you do for work first? Let's do uh, that.
0: I'm an attorney. I okay. work um a general counsel for a property management company, and we manage multifamily housing across the United States. And and just yeah, it's it's a, a, a very busy uh, job. So. Mm it's a lot a lot yeah a lot of legal things going on with that whole thing so yeah it's it's fun i mean i i enjoyed it. it's better than billing hours in private practice which is what i did for the first 20 years or so 16 years seventeen. do you, do you go
1: to an office
0: yeah, yeah i do yep even all through COVID, everything i've i uh i i I work with the uh, the CEO who I work with. He's It's very good to work with him in person. And uh, we have offices next to each other and he can yell when he has a question Ooh. or whatever. I can listen in on his conversations and know when I'm needed. Nice. <laughs> so that's um,
1: uh, good. I got to formally introduced, Joel. Maybe I should turn this over to Scott. Scott, I'll tell my story first, okay? And then you tell yours. So when I first got married, here we go. We're throwing it back. How long have I been married now? 20 years. I moved into Joel. I moved into your neighborhood, Joel. You were already there, right? I mean, you you were in the ward. You had to
0: remember, we might have been around the same time when we bought the house in that area, but I've lived in this just this small little area for quite a while. So
1: I mean, I would say you were like my inspiration for writing up to you were, you and Mun. That's just how it worked. We got to serve together in a church, uh, yeah. calling to get, and I was always intrigued. You guys loved, uh, riding and now I, I don't know if I had a bike or maybe I got one right as I left. So we never I really... I
0: remember seeing a, uh, time trial bike yeah, in your that's house. Right. That's right. I think you were, you were <laughs> slowly transitioning away from golf yeah. <laughs> to, uh, to endurance sports yeah but yeah i think you started out as a triathlete right that's right the embarrassing truth
1: yeah and joel's still (laughs) let's just brush right over that we'll go right over (laughs) just kidding that's not embarrassing but joel lives right at the base of mill creek right we're like right on the same street as skyline so perfect spot to be uh um the mayor of mill creek which we'll talk about here in a bit uh, scotty how about you how do you know joel how'd you guys connect
2: geez that's a good question i really did not even think of uh the early days until you mentioned that but i just threw him he would ride and and then soon enough i think we found that we had very similar schedules you know we got out pretty regularly and so we'd bike or mountain bike and then started running and then through running one day convinced joel it's time to start backcountry skiing and and then mm-hmm. we started doing that and then that, yeah.
0: I think for no, Scott it was agree. all it was all self serving because he had been going backcountry skiing a lot by himself, and so <laughs> he was really just self preservation. I needed someone <laughs> yeah. to
2: unbury me, so yeah,
0: yeah. Nice. <laughs>
1: so
0: it worked well.
1: Very good. So well, last last episode with Dan Joel, we mentioned your son Thomas. Uh, he's part of Maybirds, and uh, Thomas wrote a uh, lovely. You got to be happy with this small. I was very happy with that. Very great,
0: great tribute. I'll read it. Okay.
1: Joel Zanger, a man of many talents. He's a freak athlete who has trouble squeezing in a rest day. How ironic because he loves playing outside almost every day. He's up at the crack of dawn to ski deep, pow, bike or trail run with his dog Milo. By 9 a.m. He's traded his ski boots for Birkenstocks and works as an attorney. He's got brains and brawn. He's an incredible father of two kids who often join him on his adventures. And if you see Joel out on the trail, say hi. He's a great adventure buddy if you can keep up with him. Thank you, Thomas. Very good. Anything to add there, Joel? Scott?
0: I don't wear Birkenstocks every day.
1: <laughs> My kids have the new ones where you you slip into like the... The
0: yeah the clock. i have i have a couple of those they are those, those are formal those
2: are the ones thomas is speaking of
0: yeah, yeah they are comfy that's for sure nice yeah my work my work is pretty casual so i can i could wear flip-flops every day if i wanted so they're a good they're a good shoe good comfort
1: uh everybody on the team needs to know joel um there's a lot of reasons why we'll get into it a little bit, but Joel, maybe tell us a bit about your background where you grew up. Um, is that a good place to start? Sure. Sure.
0: Yeah. I, I was born actually in Northern California and Lafayette um, area, but moved here pretty quick after I was born and just raised here in East Mill Creek, um, went to Upland terrace, went to Wasatch junior high and then went to Olympus. I kind of did a swerve there. Um, and went to Olympus High School and graduated in 1989. Right. And yeah, I've kind of been in the area since. I live, you know, now I'm like Stu says, I'm still just at the mouth of Mil Creek Canyon. They're pretty close. So yeah. So just grew up here. Um and yeah, it's a great area. You really didn't have any desire to be anywhere else. Started, uh, what else you want to know?
1: I want to know about, I, I I know you've got a brother, right? That you guys maybe started young into this uh, outdoor lifestyle. Is that true?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we grew up skiing, grew up, you know, I think um, grew up biking some, but yeah, I have a brother that's a year older than me, Jerem, um, and he he's kind of a legendary uh, rider of his own. He's... Super, super fast guy in his day. And, uh, I was actually thinking just today when we started mountain bike racing, I think it was in, oh gosh, I don't know. Mid, mid nineties, we went to our first race at Antelope Island. We entered the beginning category. He won that race. Then we, the next race we went to, we entered the sport category. We both did, and he won the sport category race. And I didn't win that race, of course. And then he moved up the next race to the expert category. And I think he finished like third, <laughs> but then he just kept progressing and kind of raced as a semi-pro. Um, he would compete with, with Bart Gillespie and Chris Fox and those guys. He was <laughs> always faster than me, that bugger. But uh, yeah, he's ridden with Chris Peterson and um, that, that gang as well for quite a while. So, but yeah, I think, my first um i think my i actually we had a couple 10 speeds when i was young and we used to race like my friends and i would race around the you know the, what we called the big block it was about a mile long loop and even as a grade school kid would do some you know racing and got my first railroad bike i think probably when i was i don't know 13 or 14 and actually did a crit uh, oh. at highland high school in the parking lot what? um i think i had bike shorts but i probably was wearing baggy shorts over them because those bike shorts were <laughs> a little embarrassing and there was one other kid in the race so there was two of us and i think i won but yeah i mean it was just a bunch of adults with the you know the leather classic leather helmets and i mean this would have been you know like Eighty three, eighty four, a long time ago. <laughs> My first bike race. Nice, a crit.
1: Scotty, any questions about Joel's background?
0: So mostly,
2: sounding like mostly mountain bike racing. Any road ba- bike? One more than he, the other.
0: You know, I. You know, when I think I started mountain bike racing in the mid nineties and did that pretty exclusively for a couple of years. But then I got a road bike and started training on the road and then started racing on the road a little bit and, uh, and kind of enjoyed kind of going back and forth. Road racing actually fit me some somewhat better, a little more tactical, a little more, you know, not just on the gas, full gas the whole time. Um, so I enjoyed that. I did I actually went out to like the DM, not the DMV, the, Rocky mountain raceway crit on my, on this road bike, you know, and I was just wearing like a mountain bike Jersey and I didn't have baggy shorts, but I did have mountain bike shoes and, uh, and, you know, entered the B flight and it was kind of funny cause they, you know, I didn't really know how many laps they were supposed to do. If anybody's done the, those crits, it's usually like time. you do like 40 minutes plus one lap or something like that? But I didn't know that. And so we get in the race and I actually go off on a breakaway and I'm off solo. And, but the problem was I'm out there riding solo and I don't know when the race is over. And there's the A group that's ahead of us. And so I'm riding and I'm just kind of looking around like, when is, when's this race done? (laughs) So I kind of, I see that the A flight had finished. Sometimes the A flight would finish before the B flight. And, uh, or vice versa, it just kind of dependent upon what the race organizer wanted to do. And, and so the a flight, they finished the a flight. So I was like, well, we're finished too. I kind of ride across the line slowly and kind of looking around. And then here comes the B flight zooming through the start finish area. And I realized that their no. race was still going on. and I didn't win. <laughs> I felt so dumb. I mean, I was so clueless. I had no idea.
1: Did you finish uh, the lap?
0: I think I did. I probably did, but yeah. So, I mean, I enjoyed racing on the road. I think crits actually enjoyed crits, um, got to rub elbows with Dave sharp for many years, racing in the mm-hmm. the DMV and the, and the, uh, Rocky mountain raceway crits. I won a few, ne- never in a sprint, um, always in a breakaway. Um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, raced in the a flight for a little while, but that was, you know, I was always just pack fodder for those races. Nice. So All right, and then
1: and then what now we heard from Thomas a little bit about your family, but, uh, yeah. Can you talk about your family, what you do, to, what you do, like typical day in your, in your life?
0: Well, as Thomas says, I have two kids. So Thomas, who's 22 now, I have a daughter Eliza that's 26, I think. Um, Yeah. I mean, just pretty, you know, my wife, Amy, uh, we've been married since maybe 94. So maybe (laughs) it's almost, is that almost 30 30 years? She's probably listening at the door. She'll watch this. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, we have two great kids. We're, um, Thomas is a is is just a phenomenal skier and and loves doing that. And uh, Eliza is a dancer. She teaches dance up at the University of Utah, um, the, oh. the Virginia Tanner Children's Dance Theater. Um, she's kind of a full time faculty up there. And uh, Amy works as an aide at Wasat. She works with the with special needs kids. And uh, yeah, so they're just they're awesome I mean, They're a great family. Um, but yeah, the Eliza's doesn't live at home. Thomas is at home right now. Um, so but yeah, as far as gosh, every day, I mean, you know, I'm out doing something the most every morning early, um, you know, five, six days a week and whether it's running, biking, skiing, hopefully skiing as we get some more snow, but, um, so yeah.
1: Cool. Uh, Scotty, any questions?
0: No. Okay. Any any, any particular
2: reason you took a rest day today, Joel? Does forecast have anything to do with it? Just... <laughs> it's going to be a big
1: weekend, you know, Joel. It is.
0: It is going to be a big weekend. <laughs> I think it was. It was just kind of. I was torn. I was maybe going to go skiing, and then I just maybe go up and do some resort fitness laps. But I, don't know, I was just lazy this morning. It's one of those where I wasn't meeting anybody to do anything, and then I was less motivated. So it is pretty shameful. It is. It's it's hard for me to take rest days. I just, it's, uh, it's a tough one.
1: Uh, what, oh, go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, no, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, so uh, I guess it's a two-part question. What draws you to both? Um. So if, if you didn't know, um, maybe we'll talk about this later, but I mean, you had like an epic amount of days last year up in the mountain and like what draws you to both to either some because it's it's been something that you've done for your whole life so is there anything in particular when you look at it and you say i just love this about it or or um anything in particular
0: you know i mean i, I think what i've really enjoyed about backcountry skiing is i mean one i love skiing skiing's fun especially skiing powder that's a lot of fun Um, unfortunately, probably half the days of skiing are skiing, not in the best snow in the world or, or whatever, but, um, but even those days are enjoyable. Um, you know, as far as I love getting up in the mountains, um, and you know, it's, it's awesome to watch the sunrise and, and, uh, it almost always makes it worth it. And, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, of a big part of it i was thinking the other day and in the morning and even just out running on the trails here you know um or whatever it's just it is it is something i wouldn't trade you know for about anything really just getting up in the morning and starting the day off with getting outside and doing something um and that's what i do i do love it it's it and even you know even when work is as busy as it can be or whatever i've always just you know it's always been a, a you know a huge stress reliever it's just been something that i you know rarely miss um i you know rest days are hard and um yeah it's just it's you know some it's hard rolling out of bed at 4 30 or 5 a.m or whatever but i always just tell myself i'm like well you know halfway through the day i'm gonna regret not getting up yeah and, <laughs> Yeah. It's hard. You, you, as you know, as Scott knows, it's hard getting out of bed, but I always regret it when I don't do it.
1: I have that same conversation, same, same conversation with myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. You have to kind of, you have to project forward, right? You got to say, okay, how am I going to feel if I don't get out of bed mm-hmm. and that, that helps. Yeah. I kind I kind of tell like you know just in making decisions like i tell thomas that when he's torn between two things i'm like well you know okay just at the end of the day or whatever what are you going to regret not doing and Mm -hmm. you know that kind of helps you decide what you want to do um if you kind of jump forward like that
1: he's like i really regret missing the whitewater rapids but
0: i want to (laughs) rock climb so (laughs) bad (laughs) it often is yeah yeah he's he's definitely you know he's got he's got a lot of interests like you know like all of us do and um yeah sometimes you just have to make those tough decisions
1: yeah scott you put a question in here about risk you want to ask that one
2: yeah i mean i guess just thinking about it we hear accidents happening to road bikers to mountain bikers to backcountry skiers, you know, that kind of thing happens. And whenever it happens, it tends to hit the news. Um, so, you know, maybe not the most risky things in the world, but certainly things that garner attention. I guess how do you, what's your approach to that risk in those sports and and how do you manage that on a kind of day-to-day basis so you can wake up the next day to do it?
0: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a fair question. I think as far as... Um... yeah, especially, well, like, you know, I don't, I, I, road riding, I think I, I think that, um, you always, and you hate to hear of cyclists getting hit or having accidents because it's almost like you, you cause for you, you almost need selective memory. You almost have to, you can't think about that. You can't dwell on the risk, um, or you might not get out the door. Um, yeah, I think you just have to, I, you know, I think of, the reward I think is worth, is worth the risk. Um, but you know, you take the smart steps to minimize it and, uh, you know, you try and be careful. You wear a flashing light on your bike if it's dark or or whatever, but I think skiing is the one that it, you know, where you really have to think about. And as you know, Scott well knows, I mean, I'm I'm a little more on the conservative side. We kind of have there's three of us that ski. So there's myself and Scott and Taylor, kind of our core little group. And I think our range of, of risk is a little different, but I think we come together on decisions as far as what we ski. Um, but it is, it's kind of a, it's kind of cool to have that conversation and just what risk level, you know, what risk level you're willing to, you know, to consider. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess I'm like, I'm like the most like, you know, I'm usually an optimistic person. And so I just, you know, I kind of almost just put it out of my mind, just like it's not going to happen to me. And I, and hopefully it doesn't. And uh, try and make good decisions and so I can get out and do it again, um, you know, and of course, think about, you know, the cost, you know. Um, how would Milo survive if I was gone? <laughs> right, Milo? <My>
1: <laughs> He's like, wait, what? What are we doing? Are we going out? <laughs>
0: He's like, this is this is the most boring thing you've ever done. <laughs> oh, good boy. Good boy. He is a good boy.
1: All right, we got some rapid fire questions. Scotty, do you want to take these?
2: Uh, Matt, got you got can Pull them up here. Okay,
1: I got all
2: right joel favorite or what do you ride give us your bikes
0: oh right now i have uh my mountain bike is um a specialized epic evo um that i've had for two years that i've absolutely loved for by far the best mountain bike i've ever owned um nice and uh it's a good bike wow, good What's that? And then, yeah. And then a gravel bike, I have, um, a giant revolt or whatever. Um, I think that's what it is. I could be wrong and that's it right now. Um, (laughs) I don't have a road bike. I've been kind of just using the gravel bike for both, but, uh, I would like, I, I plan on getting a road bike again. Um, one of these days, but I do enjoy riding on the road. Yeah, just two bikes right now. That's probably the fewest bikes I've ever had. Well, I do actually have an old single speed cyclocross bike that's sitting in the basement, but that's about it. I still actually have the first mountain bike frame that I ever had a Bridgestone MB two that I got when I was about 14, 14, 15 years old in 1986 or seven ish. You just have the frame, just the frame. Cause nice. I bought another bike, a mountain Klein, which was a Klein's Klein's first mountain bike. And I switched whatever parts I could over to that. And then just, you know, the endless cycle of, of upgrading bikes.
2: Yeah.
0: I was thinking about that, like how many mountain bikes I've owned. I, I mean, I don't know. It's gotta be at least 20 over the years. I don't know.
2: Well, you can build that one up for your grandkids someday. He'll Love it. That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah, sure it's all right it's
2: favorite, favorite local ride
0: Uh oh that's an easy one i guess <laughs> anybody that follows me on Strava probably kind of the dog desolation loop is what we refer to the big water trail up to dog lake and then connecting over to desolation lake and down through mill creek meadows that's probably my that'd probably be my number one ride
2: yeah, there's probably not many things that are more painful or and beautiful um <laughs> in the same the same ride in this you know, around. So yeah, that's a that's a good one.
0: It's it's a, it's got it all.
2: Um, uh, favorite place to travel.
0: Um, probably. I mean, I I think you know if I could return anywhere every year, it'd probably be like the Grand Canyon doing the um running the colorado river down the grand Canyon is fantastic
2: Um, so follow up on that one how many how many times have you done that
0: done the grand canyon four times so um once when i was a teenager and then three times in the past you know eight years so yeah it's a fun fun one we we do a lot of river running as a family and have done that a couple times as a family trip it's a an awesome trip I thought
1: you were going to say Mill Creek was your favorite place to travel. <laughs> I,
0: tra- I, I travel. I there a lot. I was thinking about it the other day. I probably. I don't know. I'm probably up Mill Creek Canyon at least five days a week at, mm-hmm. at least, for sure. So. What about the most memorable
2: bike story? You told us a couple of them. Anything uh, more memorable? Anything you want to add there?
0: Um. I think my first mountain bike ride, and I was, some people have probably heard me tell this when I was, it was the first day of summer after junior high. um, My friend and I, uh, Brad Steele and I rented these diamondback mountain bikes. This is probably like 85. And this is just right when mountain bikes were kind of brand new from the Highlander um, down on Highland drive, we rented, these, these diamondback bikes, and we decided somebody had told us that Dog Lake was an awesome ride. And so <laughs> we rode the bikes. I, I, somebody must have driven us up the canyon. I can't remember. Um, so we rode the bikes up the trail. And this same person that had recommended going there told us that um, if you rode really fast down the hill that leads to Dog Lake, you could ride your bike through the lake. <laughs> and we were dumb enough to believe that and so we took these rental bikes and we tried a couple times we would come bombing down that hill and just ride them straight into the water (laughs) and uh I, i i to this day i feel bad we probably ruined those bikes i mean these were back in the day when no bearings were sealed and you know we just completely you know dumped them in the water i'm sure they were a, nice. a mess afterwards oh gosh but yeah that was my first first mountain bike ride was dog lake so
2: you just weren't going fast enough if you we were going yeah,
0: exactly <laughs> yeah we weren't very smart because anybody that would look at that lake you know you know you're not going to ride through that lake but all right what about what about
2: on skis the most uh memorable day on skis that's going to be tough to to, to distinguish those <laughs> ones, but yeah anything that comes come to mind
0: you know, I can't really think of any, I don't know. I mean, there's so many, yeah. I mean, just, there's been so many, you know, good backcountry days. There's just been good resort days too. I mean, I grew up skiing at resorts and, and love skiing. Um, yeah. And the occasional snowboarding, I guess I should say. I, I dabbled in snowboarding for a, a little while as well. But, so we we'll,
2: uh, we'll, we'll skip to that question what what about resorts so you were a pretty prolific resort skier you've kind of turned your season pass in the last couple of years i guess do you miss miss the resort
0: um i do i do miss it to some degree i don't miss freezing my butt off sitting on a chair lift but um yeah i mean not for a good powder day if you can hit it right at the resort that's fantastic but yeah i You know, I think once my kids have gotten older and they're not wanting to ski with me or, you know, or not, not in a bad way, but, you know, um, yeah, it's been kind of easier just to transition to doing backcountry skiing. I I do think, you know, with kids, I think resorts are a fantastic place to teach them and get them good. And then you you can take them in the backcountry and. um, Yeah, I, I do miss it, but it's, you know. It, there's a, there's a time for it. I, I wouldn't, you know, if, if, uh, if I had all the time in the world, I definitely would spend some days at the resort.
2: All right. What about, uh, we were talking the other day about Strava stats. So they come out with those at the end of the year. You're going to, uh, so the question is, I guess, how many times or how many, yeah how many times did you go last season as far as, uh, back country? I
0: think, yeah, I think I ended up with like 140, Wow. um tours or backcountry tours uh last year so that was definitely a record for me um hopefully we have the you know conditions this year that I can I can equal that
1: is that because uh, the conditions were so good
0: yeah partly i other than yeah i think a lot of it was that but it was also just you know you just almost you get in the habit it's kind of like i mean you guys know i mean you just it's not a question of if you're going to go, it's just a question of where and uh, so you just mm-hmm. kind of just ends up being you just, you know, it's it it becomes a just, you know, you just do it um, kind of gains its own momentum. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's I enjoy it. If I did. Yeah, it's, it's a good way to start a day.
2: Well, based on where we're at this year, I'm not sure you're going to beat that, but hey, weather could, <laughs> weather could turn on us this weekend. could jumpstart things, and yeah. we, could, we could beat it next year. I think, I, right, think well.
0: I, I looked the other day, I think I was at 11 days so far this year. So, So not bad considering the not great conditions.
2: Yeah. All right. So for the up and coming or the new backcountry skier out there, what, if you're going to have one set of backcountry skis, what width should that set be?
0: <laughs> I think I think something in the hundred waist ski, something with a hundred millimeter waist is probably a good all-around ski. Um, so it's decently light. It works well in powder. Works well on the on the packed snow. Um, I'd look at something like that. There you
1: go. Nice. All right. Cool. Good. Those were good. Dude, we, you added a few Scotty. Those were good. Very good. Uh, Joel, I know that you kind of have transitioned into, uh, you know, with your kids being a little older, but, uh, it's always interesting to hear from everybody how they manage and plan for being so active, right? You're, you have a family, you have a job, you have these hobbies. Um, how do you make it all work?
0: First and foremost is completely ignore your yard and garden <laughs> and household projects. That's not what Saturdays are for. Those, those get in the way. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that
1: was so good. <laughs> okay, great. Tip two. Tip two. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, I have a neighbor, uh, somebody that you know, Stuart. But he he asked me one day about you know he's he's one of those that spends hours and hours in his yard, and it's just immaculate. And yeah. he's like, well, how do you how do you how do you have time to do all those things you do or whatever? Jules, go ride or run. And I'm like, well, look at your yard and look at my yard. <laughs> and like right see- there, boom! That's eight hours. Exactly. You see exactly how that works. No, I mean, I think, um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have a, a you know, pretty, uh, I, I, have to give a shout out to my wife, Amy, that she's always been pretty, uh, accommodating and not, uh, and, you know, recognizes the importance of it. And so she's been great at, um, you know, not, not, uh, it, it, it trying to help, you know, make the schedule work or make it so I can and do that. But yeah, I think a lot of it is just being willing to get up early and do it. And, and, and then, um, you know, I mean, I think that definitely helps. I mean, it's, it's, it's always just a, you know, a compromise and you just have to try and balance things out. I mean, I, you know, I coached soccer for a while. I did other things and that definitely impacts it. Um, and. Yeah, you just have to try and find that balance. But for me, it's always been worth it just because of the kind of just the, you know, the mental health aspect of it and just the, you know, for my own well-being. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, you know, you I look back on it. I don't know how I did it. Um, and mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, now that my kids and I've only had, you know, you have two kids, but yeah. It's just, it and it just goes so quick. So I don't know if there's a, I don't have any magic.
1: You are the magic Joel. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think, uh, uh, yeah, I, you
0: know, I think all you guys have, have, you know, do a fantastic job of it as well. Um, so well, we're all just, we're all just struggling or <laughs> trying to do the best we can. Right.
1: Well, the next question is for you and Scotty. I mean, when you guys get up, Um, because some like watching you guys ski last year was was wild. And I know that when I go to my job, sometimes I'm not sometimes perimeter park loops on Zwift fry my brain. How like Scotty, you two, how how do you manage being up at four to ski all you know? That's like four full hours before you're even like at work. How do you guys how do you guys do it
0: uh well it...
1: 900 milligrams of caffeine by yeah. 4 p.m <laughs> well,
0: part,
2: part of the issue is you know on days when it snows you know we're not are not sleeping anyway so you might as well get up and enjoy it so that, that's part of it right so,
1: uh-huh.
2: so you just get up and um, usually you don't have to wait for the alarm get up and go get it done you know it's going to be good and And then like joel was saying earlier it's just a lot easier to deal with the day at work if you've got that under your belt but it is a challenge from a family perspective and a work perspective but you gotta
0: some things just have to happen (laughs) yeah i think uh yeah for me i mean yeah i i mean i'm sure there's times where i'm a little tired in the afternoon from from that but I've always been I think I've just trained myself to get by on 5 or 6 hours of sleep for a long time and whether it's just from you know working late or doing whatever and I just I don't know that's a good I I don't know how it, how I make it work but it does work generally um and for sure I I am grateful to be kind of past the age of, or or where I'm trying to help kids with homework and you know staying up late doing that cuz we've done that we've all been there and you guys are in the midst of that or or whatever um that makes that tough but yeah i mean it's you know i try and get six hours of sleep if i can get six hours of sleep i feel pretty good so nice me too yeah that's kind of my goal cool but yeah a lot yeah, of that. a lot of caffeine too
1: oh boy, <laughs> scotty you got a quick i think you put this question here about thomas you want to talk about that
2: thomas what'd i say
1: I think you put that. Did I? Yeah. Okay, maybe I did. I just think Thomas is—he's an incredible kid. I think he's awesome. Um, any advice for how you helped him get into sports, and how would you show him? Any advice for guys like us that have kids, kind of where they're in that arena where they're following? Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I've—I definitely think I've been. Uh, I'm. I'm lucky to have. Uh, a son that you know that just loves to do the things that i love to do and i don't know um i think you know i and maybe he'd answer the question differently but um you know i don't think i've ever really pushed him to do those things um i think he's always you know just liked being outside and he's always if he had to choose between you know, playing computer games or going outside and doing something. He was always the type that would want to be outside and doing stuff. And I don't, I don't know what I did to to foster that. And you know, obviously, and you know, and obviously, nothing wrong with video games because I like to play video games. And Thomas and I will sometimes play video games, although he's always a lot better at it than I am. So, gets my feelings get hurt. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, you know. I, and I, you know, I have friends that, that, you know, ask me the same question or their kids aren't interested in those things. You know, they're not, they have a hard time. They don't want to get out and work hard or suffer or whatever. And I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, not, not forcing them to do it and uh, making it fun when you go out and do it when they're a young age. And if that means, You know, I know with my daughter, she's, um, you know, when we would go skiing, it always, it's always was, you know, it was tough to, to get ready. And there was always a lot of stress. And I always found that if once we got up there, we would take a run and, you know, you're just super stressed. And then we'd go sit in the lodge and have a hot chocolate or something. And then after that, things were much better and just, you know, making it fun and just, and, and now, um. You know, I think Eliza loves to ski and she's kind of come around on, on, you know, wanting to get out and go on hikes and running. And she goes trail running with me more than, than Thomas does. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, I think you just, you make it fun and, and don't force them to do it. And if they, hopefully they'll love to do it, but if not, you know, do the things that they love to do with them too. Um, so.
1: Nice. I know Spence would say, Spence would always tell me when we were trying to get my kids into skiing, he's like, we're just doing hot chocolate runs right
0: now. That's all
1: we're doing. <laughs> yeah. It's <is> hot chocolate.
2: <laughs> it's amazing how much that works, right? I mean, that's, that's what they look forward to. They, when can we go skiing so we can sit in the lodge and do this, right? And whatever yeah. gets them out there. Yeah,
0: Fun. exactly. Yeah, I think it's, and it helps, you know, and he's had, Thomas has had, um, you know, he's had uncles that love to get outside too, and that helps, and cousins. Um, but he's had good role models there as well with my brother and then with uh, my brother-in-law, Adam. Um, you know, I think it, you know, that kind of helps to to get him excited about it.
1: Yeah.
2: I think, I think that's a huge part of it is just examples. Like you say, if they see the adults out there having fun you know, eventually the kids will figure out, well, they must be doing that for a reason and kind of figure it out. But yeah, I think that is a big, big portion of it.
1: Uh, We found ourselves in Beaver, Utah, Joel. Mm -hmm. You can pass on this question if you'd like. (laughs) Um, uh, You did race it. I don't think you raced the last year though.
0: I didn't. I was signed up, but I, I ended up not doing it.
1: Okay. Okay. I did
0: get my T-shirt though. It was a really expensive oh, T-shirt. Oh, nice! Um, Aaron, Aaron Jordan picked that up for me. So. It was I mean, my two hundred dollar T-shirt.
1: That's an expensive cotton tee. <laughs> um, but you did it. I know you did it in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Any any advice training? You've you've done a lot of preparation. Maybe not just crusher. You've done a lot of preparation for racing. What advice do you still follow? when uh when you're getting ready
0: as as anybody that's followed my yeah my long endurance bike race uh career as we whatever you want to call it it's it's never been my strong point i love them um and i love training for them i love like point to point i've done you know a number of times i've done you know crusher a couple times i've done some long running events, ultra marathons and things like that. And I, I love training for them. Um, and they're great for the motivation, but boy, I, I, I still have real problems oftentimes on race day of figuring out nutrition and not having those type of issues, but I don't know. I think just, um, probably I don't know, Let's see what was the question, what advice for preparing for them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I, I think the great thing about those events is it does give you something to work towards. And, um, you know, to put in for those long events, I think it's just a lot of saddle time and a lot of just getting out on those long rides and just getting your body used to that. Just, you know, those, those super long days in the saddle, figure out what works for eating. And like I said, I, I still, I mean, I've been doing it for you know, a long time. And I still struggle with figuring out how to eat on race day, you know, training days, I could eat anything. I could, you know, stop at McDonald's and eat a, you know, Big Mac or something halfway through a ride. I think I'd be okay. But training or racing day, it's it's always a, it's always a tough one. Um, for me, I need to, I've, I've listened to some of the podcasts on here about all the good nutrition advice. I need to put some of that, uh, to use in my own, my own <laughs> training and racing so. Nah. so I don't know I wouldn't make a good coach because I don't have the secrets but other than just getting out and enjoying it one
2: nice. of Joel's favorite favorite sayings is the best part about point to point is is training for point to point
0: correct exactly yeah race the race, the
2: race itself is yeah
0: yeah yeah exactly it could be brutally hot it could be whatever and yeah So it's hard to control that, but the getting out with your friends on long rides to train for it. Those are awesome.
1: It's the journey.
0: It is the journey. Find the joy in the journey, Stu.
1: (laughs) Nice. Uh, Scotty, any, any final questions there about Joel's training, Uh, racing, riding?
2: Well, I do have a question here. It seems. Didn't know if we should ask the question or not, but it seems like we just need to throw it out there, Joel. Um, so on a lot of backcountry skiing days, a lot of times our where you end up going just doesn't happen to be there. It seems like we need to clear the air a little bit as to, you know, why you might hide the map, the purposes behind that. And, <laughs> and it may not just, we're, you, I, yeah, it's not like we're trying to to be mean or or, or be a jerk, but there may be some reasons behind that. Maybe talk through it a little bit.
0: Sure. Sure. And that is a, a a little bit of a controversial subject. Um, and we've been kind of on both sides of that because I think, yeah, we, uh, I, I think a lot of it is, I mean, there's a couple reasons. One is that you don't always necessarily want somebody to be looking and trying, you know, going where you're going because it could be risky. And, you know, you don't want the responsibility necessarily of somebody saying, hey, they went there yesterday. Mm-hmm. So if I go there, you know it must be safe because they did it they skied it it was safe um so there's certainly that concern probably the more selfish one of course is you know wanting to kind of keep a lid on some of the areas that you ski that maybe don't get a ton of traffic and it's not like mountain biking where you know everybody you know you know whether you know obviously there's wear and tear on trails and things like that or whatever or road biking or whatever but Skiing, there's, you know, there's only so much good powder and there's only so much, you know, and it's always fun to ski places that haven't been skied a lot. And so there's that selfish part of it, um, that, you know, you you know, backcountry skiing is just getting more and more popular and, and, uh, it's, you know, one way to minimize the traffic in some of these areas that, um, you know, you maybe don't want to see a ton of people in, um. So, yeah, there's that selfish component. Um, and it, I realized, you know, it is kind of annoying. Um, and there's certainly people I follow that I look and I see that, you know, I'd, I'd be curious and want to know where they're skiing, but they've <laughs> hidden the map as well. And, and it's kind <laughs> I of I didn't know this thing. was a thing. This you is know, awesome. It a total, totally a thing. Yeah. It, and really just in the last couple of years, it's kind of become a kind of a, become a thing. Um <laughs>
2: sometimes so you don't peep, you'll go with people and and you'll only go with them if you hide your map right you'll you'll be ostracized if you come <laughs> do the do the tour mm. and then post it and then they'll be like yeah you're not coming with us anymore you you've broken you the you ruined it
0: broken the oath you're, you'll get a text within like 30 seconds of posting it on strava and they're like hide your map and uh so you know because they're want you to get on there and or, or, you know, there's also people that you know we won't, you know, you're like, well, if I taking so-and-so skiing with me, I'm not going to take them to my, you know, best spots. We're going to, we got to be careful who we share this with. It is a pretty funny thing. It's definitely something you don't see in cycling.
1: You guys, I didn't know this insider. <laughs> Are people going to be listening to this that have, that this is happening to them and they're like now just realizing that they've broken the code? they like, <laughs> no
2: i mean it, it's, each, it's each their own right i mean they can do whatever they want right but but a lot of people ask that question why people do that and just wanted to kind of get it out there but yeah there's a number of reasons all of which joel explained very well but it's kind of like one of them is kind of like the google maps where you hear the stories about google maps taking people and you know off a cliff and stuff like that and a lot of times you know we're out there exploring we don't really know where we're going and sometimes it turns out good sometimes it turns out bad and you don't want to have to put a disclaimer in your map or anything like that. So this way it just, you don't take any responsibility, but that's only one of the reasons, I guess.
1: That's yep. fun. Did you start this or did someone else start you know,
2: this? We, we definitely
0: did not start it.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> not our fault.
1: That is so good.
0: No, we didn't start it, but yeah, it's definitely a thing. I mean, there's some people that have like a, you know, a unique Strava account and you know that they use for skiing and only limit who follows them on that. And, uh, and now, you know, that way they kind of address the same issue, but hmm. yeah, it is, it's That's a, fun. it's a skiing thing. Fun.
1: All right, Joel. Um, we'll wrap up with some advice, suggestions. Uh, you've been around a lot of what we do for a long time. Um, maybe advice to, you know, guys just getting started, or advice to make sure that you enjoy it as much as you do. Um, like it, any advice you give to young riders, new guys, anything like that?
0: Oh, um, you know, it's, I, I look at, I mean, I look at a lot, you know, a lot of the guys that are on the team and see these younger guys, and I mean, I'm kind of you know, I'm, I, I'm excited for them. I'm excited that they've kind of found cycling and found how fun it can be. And, um, you know, and, and especially, and see some of them that are really good at it and see that, um, you know, they obviously have some natural ability and and uh, it's, it's cool to see. But I think, um, yeah, I don't know, as far as advice, maybe just, I mean, just enjoy it, I guess, and, 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 you know, not take it, you know, I think, I think there's a fine line, uh, you know, where you could become so obsessive about it. And, uh, you know, especially with a family that I think my advice would be just, you know, watch that line. (laughs) that It doesn't become more important than, uh, you know, you're not getting paid to do it. And always remember that. Um, And, you know, remember why you do it because it's fun and, uh, you know, don't let it consume you and, you know, affect your life negatively. Um,
2: mm.
0: yeah, I think, uh, I think for like younger writers too, I think in, in parents with kids that may be really into it, I just, you know, I just, you know, you gotta watch. I think I'd, I'd be mindful of the burnt out, you know, um, issue. I've se- certainly seen kids that are just full on, you know, into it and it's their life. Um, and then a couple of years later, they just don't want to have anything to do with it. Um, mm. where they, you know, take it so seriously that, you know, it stops being fun, but you see that in everything, like, you know, kids that play soccer or football or whatever that, yeah, you know, um, that it doesn't become a negative. I mean, you just get so focused on it and then it, then you get burnt out. So I think balance is good. I, I think actually like Scott, I think Scott is the king of, of balance where he, mm-hmm. <laughs> he runs bikes, you know, adventures, skis, you know, all the things he does is, um, really impressive. And it's impressive that he can compete at a pretty decent level, you know, while doing y'all being a good runner and being a good cyclist. And, you know, I think, uh, I think balance is good.
1: Pretty decent Scott.
0: That's
2: yeah, my, yeah. I just like to be average at everything. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's my way of flying under the radar. I think, I think pretty decent. Pretty
0: decent is a good way to put it.
1: <laughs> Marginally decent. <laughs> that's good. That's great advice. Anything to add there, Scott?
2: No, that's, that's good. Good stuff. Yeah. Good words of wisdom.
1: Joel, what if you had young Joel sitting in front of you? What are you going to say to him? Sixteen-year-old Joel.
0: Uh hmm. <laughs> That's uh was this in your outline? I didn't read this. I should have been thinking about it. <laughs> I missed this question. Um I think uh yeah, I think, you know, I think probably just you know find a way, you know, whatever you do. Find a way to to keep you know do do the things that you love and and learn to find you know do fun things and uh, you know um, it may not necessarily be your job or whatever but you know you may not yeah I don't know I mean I think yeah I think it would just be enjoy life and and um, find the things that that you know bring you joy and do them
1: nice. Dottie, any final questions for the mayor of Mill Creek?
2: No, you know, he's a he's a great example to all of us. I mean, he's this you know guy who's been doing this for you know decades and decades, and you know done with a lot of other people and uh, influenced a lot of people as kids and friends and, and you know coached coach kids and been a great example to the community and everyone else, all of us. So yeah, he's a great example to all of us.
0: I think how to do it right.
1: Yeah, Joel. Huge example to me, if you didn't know it. So grateful for you, man.
0: Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Love uh, love hanging out with you guys and getting out with you.
1: Just don't run into me coming downhill on the new pipeline when you make that <laughs> turn. And I'm still coming up. <laughs> I've
0: had a but few there... close calls. I know. <laughs> I almost... I almost I almost ran over Aaron Jordan this summer on on one of the trails. Uh, I sacrificed my body though. I went down in order to avoid nice. killing Aaron. so
1: yeah, that's good. Good yeah. job. What a teammate very good. All righty, guys. appreciate you, Joel. Thanks, Scotty.
0: Thank well, you thanks for having me Great on. Thanks guys yeah. All right. yeah.